0: Hello, and welcome to episode three of Titanium Talk. Uh, Brenton's with me. Hi, Brenton. Good morning. So we're going to jump straight in with some Titanium news, the latest news and about mo- news and modules. 6.2.0
1: GA has been released. So there's been a lot of updates coming from Cellular and Titanium. They've been really frequent updates, but yeah, this one timely with a lot of the Apple news and iOS uh, releases and stuff, but it's, it's good that this comes out and it, they came out with some blog posts too to, to talk about this as well.
0: Yeah, so, um, I mean, it's possible right now you can build. I did an experiment the other day. Um, I was just messing around with Xcode 9, but I did a quick exercise with just building a 6.1.2 app. Um, you know, you can build a 6.1.2 app and deploy it to an iOS 11 simulator, even on a an iPhone X or an iPhone 8 simulator, and it will, it will run and work, but obviously you're not getting those you know, extra features and extra benefits that have been added either in iOS 11 or if you're on Android. So so 6.2 is one of these releases that's adding a lot more features, um, adding a few more APIs that we can get access to, to sort of enable people to start taking advantage of iOS 11 and the latest Android versions. So we're looking at things like navigation drawer on Android. That is pretty cool. <laughs> Obviously, it's been possible before with modules, but it's always nice to have that stuff built into the, to the actual titanium SDK itself.
1: So it looks like there's also um, keychain access now. Yeah, that's nice. The Touch ID, adding those kind of security features, giving access to that kind of stuff is always really nice.
0: Yeah, split screen in Android, which is really nice. Um, There's a toolbar on Android as well, so we finally get to use that, which is really cool. There's lots of really good stuff, and I know that the Kitchen Sync app has been updated. I need to put a link in that into the show notes. Um, the Kitchen Sink app, as Kitchen Sink Two, has been updated with some new new features um, to sort of show some of that new stuff in Android um, as well as some new iOS iOS stuff as well. So there's, it's a big list, and we're not just going to you know, read through the whole thing, but it's it's a good update. And there's a module to do ARKit stuff, um, which is cool as well. So we can we'll talk about that when we talk about some other news um, coming up. So yeah, big update. Uh, so let's talk about the other big thing,
1: which is the iPhone event. Did you uh, did you watch that? I did um, actually made it a family event during my lunch hour. We got to what sat down and kind of watched it live, so that was pretty cool.
0: I was uh, I had to go to London, so I had to go to London in the morning, um, and I got back uh, in the early afternoon. And then because we've just had a new baby, which arrived on Saturday, um, so we were setting up beds, um, new bunk beds for the kids. So I got back, and my wife and my father-in-law were there, um, sort of doing that. So I helped out with that and managed to. I literally. Put the last bolt in at five to six uh, UK time, which is, or BST time, which is the time that it was about to start. So I quickly like, you know, put the last bolt in, took the tools down and then ran out to the, to the garden into to the office and and set it up and then just watched that for the next hour or so, or so which was quite cool.
1: Nothing like that to motivate a little bit to get through <laughs> stuff a little bit faster.
0: But It was good. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, most of this stuff has been spoiled, unfortunately, by leaks Both accidental and apparently intentional, which is a bit frustrating. Uh, And it was pretty cool. I mean, there was still there's a few little things in there that you know weren't leaked or weren't um, known about, uh, which is quite nice. But it's always good to see you know the videos and to see the presentations and just the way everything's handled. And yeah, it was pretty nice. And that theater, I mean, I couldn't get away from the fact that the screen that they were projecting on was just amazing, huge, (laughs) because it was huge. But it was also quality. Yeah. I mean, because when you got the, the close-up shots of their faces, you know, when they're talking and they do the sort of close-ups of the top half of the body or whatever, you could obviously see what was on the screen behind. And it wasn't like there wasn't, it, you know, it's clearly a back projection of some sort. It's a, it's a it's a very high quality projector because it's not loads of little screens because you don't get that quality loss. But even the projection system, you know, the, the contrast and the color, you know, the black looked black and there was no pixelization that I could see. So it's got to be at least a 4K projector at least. It just looked amazing.
1: It did. It looked It looked really good. It really made the presentation really pop as far as what they were showing on the screen. For those of us that weren't there. I know. And apparently if you were there, sure it, was it was great there in person.
0: <laughs> yeah, because th- I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, I'm not sure, but I would think that that projection, I mean, I'd love to find out what the projection system was because I would, I would imagine that it would have to be 4K at least and it would probably have to be HDR or something to, so that they can show off you know the photos, and I think I heard on another podcast that it was HDR, but I'm not sure. But it'll be good to know. It'll be good to know because you know if they're showing off HD movie clips or you know screenshots and just just the way that they show the, the phones remotely through the video feed, then being there, you you, know, you would actually see that quality, which is pretty amazing. Talking about the the content, so we started with Apple Watch Three, which has got some interesting upgrades. I've ordered mine, which hopefully will be arriving next week.
1: So did you get cellular?
0: Yeah, I went for cellular. So um, I've never had an issue with the Apple Watch in terms of I've always got my phone on me. You know, it's very rare. Having said that, the other day I went to pick up my daughter who's five, five minutes down the road from a nursery and I forgot my phone and I had my watch and I just thought, actually, this is one of those cases where that would have been really useful. Only because sometimes, <laughs> you know, my wife might have texted to say, can you pick this up on the way back or whatever? And I'd, I'd obviously get that. But otherwise... You know, if I go out for a run in the morning, I take my phone, I listen to uh, podcasts um not my own podcast, that would be terrible. can never listen to these and <laughs> oh, um, loop <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh my god, horrific um so I listen to other stuff because I hate running and I hate that sort of exercise, so it takes my mind off it if I can just lose myself in that rather than music and so i've never i've never not need you know I've never wanted to not take the phone with me. I know that I can still you know the activity stuff will all still work, and g p s will all still work, but I've never needed that, but I guess again it's one of these things apple do it's like for me it's like well i've never needed it but i'm sure as, as soon as i get this capability now i will leave my phone at home in the morning you know there'll be no need for me to take it because i can or a or there's no distraction for me to start reading stuff while i'm walking or running which is crazy um and as long as i can sync stuff to the to the watch um you know maybe podcasts overnight using a uh, uh, other apps that you can sync podcasts to the watch So as long as I could do stuff like that, I'd probably use it. But I think it would be useful. My issue is that um, I'm on 3 in the UK, uh, 3 Network, and EE is the only one that's being supported for the watch, which I think is because of some eSIM stuff that they can do that 3 can't. And they're the only ones in the UK, if you've ever used the data plans on an iPad, they're the ones that pop up as being one of the data providers, whereas 3 don't. Um, So I don't think 3 can do the programmable SIM stuff that they can do. Um, so what i've done is i've actually my wife is on ee and i just looked up some of their plans and i'm on an unlimited plan with three but i looked up my data and i'm using like no more than 20 gig a month i mean average is about 11 12 gig a month so i've gone for a uh, i've probably gone for a plan that's too big i'll probably downgrade it but i've gone for a 40 gig plan but i'll probably go for 20 and so i've essentially bought a a sim card from ee and i'm going to move my number across uh, which i'll have done by next friday And then, apparently, when the watch comes, you go into the watch app, and then you can say, I want to enable the data, and it will say, who do you want to go with? Do you want to go with EE? You pick EE. You log in with your existing details for your account that you'll have, and it will just add the watch to that account. And I think it's going to cost about £5. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's the same number, which is, that's pretty, I mean, it's pretty impressive. I'm not sure I'm going to be spending a lot of time, you know, talking on the phone on my watch, but... That, that moment of uh, exactly what I did the other day where you've, I've driven off and left my phone at home, you know, having the watch on your wrist is, is awesome that's getting the odd notification coming in. And, of course, if you've got AirPods or you've got anything Bluetooth that's synced and connected to the watch, then you don't even have to do the sort of Dick Tracy type thing of talking into the watch. You've just... It'll be a normal <laughs> call. It'll, you know, it would feel no different than using your phone, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, if, if, if you haven't... if. Someone hasn't watched the demo, the video from that live presentation where they did a call on the watch, um, not holding it up to your mouth. Uh, that was pretty cool. I was able to pick up the microphone. It was pretty good. That was amazing because she was, I mean, it was obviously a, you know, overly done
0: demo where Yeah. you're not often on a paddleboard, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, making a phone call. But the fact was that she was in the open. She was, in a, she was on this paddleboard thing. She's actually paddling. So she's moving her arm. Uh, the watch is probably, what, two, three feet, maybe maybe two feet from her, from her mouth. And it sounded like she had a clip on mic, whereas my experience of using the existing watches with trying to make calls or trying to, you know, and obviously it's going through the phone has never been good because the speaker and the mic just don't work that well for me. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing what that's like.
1: What are you going for? Are you going for one? I am still trying to decide, but um, sooner or later, I'm sure I'll be getting one because it looks pretty cool. Now, did you say it's the same number? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. I was thinking I was going to have to add a whole new cellular plan and data plan. And No, my, my
0: understanding is that basically in the way it will work is that if someone phones me, it will ring on my phone and it will ring on my watch if I'm away from my phone. So that's my understanding. And then I can answer that call. And if I call someone from the watch, it will come up as my number because of the way that this routing can happen. And it will use the same data plan. So I could, you know, not that I would, but I could sit there sending messages or using data on the watch and it would just come straight out of the
1: same data plan. That's pretty cool. So when you get yours in, we can do the podcast and you can um, just do it from your watch then? Yeah. When your broadband's down? That, that would be cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just talking into the watch. So it's, yeah, it should be interesting. So I ordered that and then I'm, uh, I am planning to go for an, I uh, calling it the X, oh my God. I do that, too. I know. I, just, I mean, they, why they didn't call it the iPhone X? Just, I don't know. Because it's obviously a prototype. It's it's obviously a preview, isn't it? It's like a concept car. You know, we're buying... You're basically buying next year's tech or the future tech early. Um, you know, you're pre-ordering yeah, just paying a, a little
1: premium for it. Yeah,
0: you're pre-ordering a year, effectively. So you're paying a little bit more. Um, it reminds me when the, the... Remember when the Retina MacBook, they did the 15-inch, I think, the 15-inch the MacBook yeah. Pro. Yeah. And that was like, so they did all these other upgrades to the other MacBook Pros and everything. And then it, it was almost like, right, and then we've got this thing under this cloth. And this is like the future. And effectively, you were buying the future early, you know, and you were paying more for it. And then obviously, that, that tech yeah. distilled down into the, the existing products the following year, and everything got cheaper. And suddenly, you're paying the same price that you were before for a MacBook Pro. But now it's Retina, you know, and, and then Retina, MacBooks, and everything else. So obviously, to me, I know that uh, this is what was weird for me about the whole naming thing. I thought, uh, so my original thinking before the event was they were going to, they weren't going to have a a 7 and 7S, because I thought it would be confusing. Part of my thinking was it would be confusing to have a 7 and 7S and then have an iPhone 8, because it's like, well, what the hell am I buying? You sort of released all these different versions at the same time. Then the sort of rumors came out that um, they were going to call it the iPhone 8 and the the iPhone uh, X, because we didn't know what it was pronounced as. It just said iPhone X in the strings. and. I sort of thought at that point, well, that makes sense because they've got rid of that issue. They've got rid of that clash. You, you know, you've got the iPhone 8 and then you've got this iPhone X or this iPhone edition, this sort of special one-off that isn't really part right. of the normal naming system. And that's why it can sit nicely to one side, a bit like the Apple Watch edition did. You know, right. it's a, it's still part of that thread, but it's a bit like the MacBook or the MacBook Pro. It's There's no confuse, confusion there because it is a different thing. Right. It turns out, From what I'm understanding is that the eight renaming was done because it's because the eight is is a new design. The six and six S and the seven and seven S has always happened because the device externally looks the same. It's just the insides get a faster faster processor, or I think the five to five S added Touch ID. So you know, there's physical, there's small. That's true. Yeah, that is there's, there's physical things that can happen, like the five to five S. But but most of the time, your cases will be the same because it's the, same, it's the same size. With the 8, because they went to wireless, they had to make it a glass back. And so that changes the design to such a point that it really needs to be a new name. It can't really be a 7S. But then they go and call this thing. This thing comes up as the, you know, I remember when it came up on the projector as iPhone uh, X, is what I thought. And then he says iPhone ten, and it was almost like, what? That's not only created the confusion of, you've now got the iPhone 8 and the iPhone ten. But where the hell's the iPhone nine? You know what right. happens next year? Do we do is is it the iPhone eleven? Is it the iPhone XS? We'll have nine next year. Yeah, so because because it would be iPhone XS to look at, but it would be iPhone XS. So it's just yeah, it's just a weird. I don't know. It almost feels like it was a last minute thing to call it ten. That's what it feels like to describe it as ten. Because
1: why wouldn't you just call it ten?
0: Why wouldn't you just say it's the iPhone ten? <laughs>
1: My son is determined that he is going to call it iPhone X because he says that's a cooler name for the phone. So, so that doesn't help with my remembering to call it 10 now. Exactly, and it, it
0: reminds me of, um, uh, you know, prototypes like I talked about concept cars and things. There was a in the old sort of NASA days and the aircraft days, you used to get X planes. You know, you'd get the X one, the X two, um, and those planes would then become. Some of them would go on to become full-on planes and and get new names, but they were always had these code names. And it just reminds me of that. It made much more sense to say this is a this is a prototype. This is a future iPhone. You're getting it now as a concept. If you want to pay for it, you can have it now, and we're calling it the iPhone X. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people are just going to keep calling it the iPhone X. <laughs> and and it means also that you could say,
0: you know, here's the iPhone eight. Here's the iPhone X. This is the iPhone special prototype celebratory edition and then next year you could still have the iphone 9 because then the iphone 9 would would take all those design concepts of the x as that prototype and formulate that into a final product which would maybe touch id would be back under the screen or whatever you know it would take all that into account but now we're going to have you know are we going to have an iphone 10s that's written as xs uh because that even sounds really weird (laughs) please don't Uh, yeah or is it going to be the iphone 11 it's just very it's created more questions um yeah but yeah
1: i can't understand why they started doing that because uh the 10th year anniversary of the exactly of the iphone this year but it just it seemed a little forced yeah so yeah it's like they had two groups they couldn't decide and so they well we'll do both. and
0: also i guess they 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 backed themselves into a corner because you couldn't really call it the iPhone. I thought at one point it was going to be called the iPhone edition. But then you've got the iPhone SE, which is, which is supposed to stand for iPhone special edition. So then you've got the iPhone edition. Yeah. And then the iPhone special edition, which is an earlier phone. And it just gets – it reminds me of the days when it – remember when it was the – they released the new iPad. And they still had the iPad. <laughs> and so you could go in and buy it. I'd like to buy an iPad. Or I'd buy, like to buy the new iPad. And, you know, that just was horrific. Yeah. Do you want the new one or the new, new Yeah, one? yeah, I want to buy a new iPad. Oh, okay, it's this one. Well, but you've got the other one there, the iPad. Isn't that new? Well, kind of, but yeah, it's oh, really, really confusing. So.
1: Well, it goes to that, that saying that naming things is one of the hardest things you can do.
0: Yeah, so. and also
1: they've got such
0: inconsistency now, but they're, they're kind of... You know, because if you look at the MacBook range, you've got the MacBook, you've got the MacBook Pro. There's, they never say this is the MacBook Pro 3. This is the MacBook Pro 4. The only thing that is usually a differentiator is the year. You know, you'll say this is the MacBook Pro 2016 or the MacBook Pro early 2016 or something like that. Um, so they don't have the same with any of those things. You know, um, with, with the Apple TV, I mean, I know they sort of describe it as the Apple TV 4, but most of the time it's the Apple TV or now it's the Apple TV 4K. Uh, but the iPhone, they've got themselves into this, really weird mess where you think about what it's going to be like in 10 years you know are we actually going to have an iPhone 25 or an iPhone 12, you know, 13 or an iPhone 17 and stuff like that it's at some point it feels like there needs to be some change to say no this is the iPhone and this is the 20 yes. this is the 2019 <laughs> iPhone and this is the 2023 iPhone you know it's uh, it's a bit it's a yeah. bit weird but it's a it's a it's a good upgrade i mean it looks um Looks yep. really nice. Uh, you know, glass back. Obviously, they've they bought into Corning glass, and so yeah, that
1: scares me a little bit. But why is that? I know how much everyone drops their phone now. And now we're gonna have cracked screens on the front and the back. I know it's supposed to be really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. And and two. Uh, I know they introduced the the wireless charging for both. I think the eight and yep. the ten X. <laughs> but um, does it? Did they have to go to glass back because of that? Apparently. This just in addition.
0: Apparently apparently it creates a better connection. Um, I haven't used any, uh, I don't think any of my Android, I'm not sure if the Pixel, I've got a Pixel, but the Pixel's got a glass back. Is the Pixel wireless charging? I think it might be. So what happens
1: when you put a case
0: on that? It'll go through the case. They are selling cases. And recently what we did is we've had some of those Qi chargers, the Qi chargers. And we were using them with these little flat, little tiny flat pads that can go under your case. You stick them to the back of the phone. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, they plug into the lightning. Yeah, they loop over and plug into the lightning port, and you can usually put a case on top. You get a very slight bulge, but if it's a sort of case like one of these um, rubber armor cases, that you don't, you hardly notice it. Um, and and those are like you know a couple of mil thick, and you can put that on one of these chargers and it will charge fine. Um, I think there's a there's an issue with distance. You know, the closer you can get, the more efficient the charge is. Um, but the nice thing is, is that they've gone with that standard. That is nice. Because they could have easily, yeah, they could have easily um, decided, yeah, we would come up with our own wireless charging standard because we're not happy with the others and then everyone's stuffed sort of thing. Cause.
1: That would be Apple though.
0: But what's interesting now is that because Apple have gone and done this, hopefully more places will now adopt, you know, this sort of approach and have more of these wireless pads that, you know, have been around for years and Android users also, we've had this for years. But I hope now we'll see a lot more of them because they've now come to the iPhone.
1: It can be a little more mainstream. I know they showed in the video when they were demoing it, like yeah, going into a restaurant and just seeing circles everywhere. And you just put your phone down on one of the circles kind of thing. So that, that would be pretty cool if it's both iOS and Android, Apple and Android uh, phones that you could have a lot of this wireless charging going on
0: yeah it's nice um and obviously the um the this uh what do they call it air power this pad that they're going to do next year is a is a variation of the Qi standard that will allow it to work with the watch and the the case there's a new case coming for the airpods that will be wireless and things like that or inductive charging whatever you want to call it um but yeah it looks cool i mean obviously in terms of resolution in terms of um you know how the how the phone looks in terms of ios 11 it's pretty much the same as the 7 so from our point of view developing apps there's not sure there's pretty much any difference. The big one is obviously the iPhone X.
1: Yeah. That's the first time that Apple's kind of thrown developers a little bit with designing apps for a phone because it's always been pretty predictable.
0: Yeah, well, I was thinking back to remember when they did the 6 and the 6. I think it was when they did
1: the 6 Plus or it might have been when they did. Was that the first time that they did uh, a bigger screen at the same time that they did uh, the normal screen?
0: I think it was because uh, we all we we would have had the five or five S, you know, that would have been the latest right. phone. And then I think I think what happened is because the six and six plus were at the same time, weren't they? Yes. So the six plus came out the six. So I I remember what happened with Xcode is you had that remember the resizable simulator? Yeah. So it was it was like they didn't want to reveal the resolutions, but what they were doing was saying. Here's a resizable simulator that you can test your apps in to make sure it works at different sizes. So to make sure you've got auto layout or, you know, you're not, you're not using fixed widths or anything hard coded. What was interesting about this is that we've had no warning about any of the resolution stuff apart from what was leaked. And so there's a lot of people, obviously, when it was announced and the you know iOS 11 GM was released and you could now in iOS 9 fire up the iPhone 10 simulator All of a sudden, people are wondering, you know, and panicking about their app layouts. But the good news is we've got a month until these things are in people's hands. So, I mean, the the iPhone 10 is ultimately what I want to get. So if I can get hold of one. So you're going to get an 8 or an 8 plus while you're waiting? I got an 8 plus this time. And so my reasoning was was that um, I've always used the 6, 7, you know, I like the smaller size phone um it was re- always really annoying that the 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 plus had the better camera in terms of the dual cameras and the portrait mode at one point in the year i was p- thinking about getting a plus to sort of do half the year on a normal phone you know, on the normal seven and then a seven plus but then if, once you get halfway through the year you, you're so close to the new iphone there's no point so what i did is we have just had the baby obviously uh, um you want to take photos of your babies and your kids lots nuts yeah i i figured, well if i get an eight then i'm really only doing it as a I'm doing only doing it as a stopgap anyway and then I've got this eight that really doesn't have apart from it being faster and the wireless charging it really doesn't offer anything more than the seven you know there's no camera difference other than okay the camera might be a bit better technically but there's no dual camera there's none of that stuff so i' and so it would it would effectively be you know my wife wouldn't use it because she'd want to I'd want to get her a ten as well so I figure I'll go with the eight plus and then I can use the portrait lighting I can use the portrait photos it's a bigger phone and I'm not that happy about a bigger phone but what will be nice is when I hopefully get the 10 that will be smaller so it'll almost be I I don't think I'll feel the difference from the 7 to the 10 it might be a very small width difference and it's slightly taller but I don't think I'll feel it because I'll have got I'll have come from the plus one but but then I'll just basically get like a month or so of being able to take some really nice photos in portrait which for the kids taking photos of the kids of the baby will be really awesome so so that's what I've done
1: Yes, it's nice too with the iPhone X that the resolution is actually better than the iPhone 8 Plus. So that's pretty cool. But the, the dimensions are closer to the, the size of the iPhone 8.
0: Yeah, I mean, I am I guess it will probably help having the physical phones to test it. But I'm still trying to get my head around the fact that it has a bigger inch screen in a smaller package. And I know that that's because of bezels being shrunk and things like that. But it still doesn't make much sense to me because when you see them side by side, it's like, it doesn't look right. It's just still doesn't, I don't, I still don't get, but obviously the way these dimensions work is it's a, it's a diagonal dimension they do. So you can make a screen narrower and taller and it's still a 5.8 inch screen or whatever the resolution is. You can effectively have a bigger screen in that sense, but it doesn't look, it looks narrower and it looks smaller, you know, when you look at them side by side. But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's pretty impressive. And the notch, you know, the notch is the notch. I mean, yeah. I guess it has to. It has, it has to be done. I think they've made good use of it. I was always wondering about how landscape was going to work, but actually, when you saw them using the video stuff, to be honest, you know, you had the sort of two modes of looking at it. One, which was the boxed view, and then one was full screen using the notch. Once they started playing some of those clips, and you start looking at, it, you almost just don't see the notch. You know, it's like one of those things that you don't really register until you actually look at it.
1: Yeah, uh, I think I'll probably go with the iPhone eight plus. I have a, I had a 6 Plus, and then I went with a 7, but as my eyes get older, I think having a little bit bigger screen for, if I do a lot of reading, then the 8 Plus looks pretty cool, but I'm going to have a hard time convincing anyone in my family to go with the iPhone X, other than my son, of course, but um, he doesn't have his own phone, but he, he really wants the X, but the whole losing the Touch ID and going with Face ID, my wife doesn't like that idea, so... <laughs> I, I like
0: Touch ID, I like the speed of Touch ID. From what I've read and what I've seen in demos, my understanding is the process is slightly different or in the demos I've seen anyway. So obviously at the moment we touch, you know, I've use my. i got it in my left hand, let's say I touch it with my thumb, I'm authenticated and I'm on the home screen instantly. With the demos I've seen and, and it's how it's been described with Face ID is that you've got the phone in your hand, you touch the screen or you press the side button, what they're calling the side button, which is the power button. Uh, It comes up with the lock screen. The lock is shown. You look at the phone. The lock lock turns into an unlocked mode, but you stay where you are. And then you swipe up from the bottom to go to the home screen. And apparently that is supposed to be because it's an opportunity to look at your notifications and to scroll through them or whatever before you do anything. What has been supposed and not tested yet, and maybe it has and I just haven't seen it, is that you may be able to just sort of pick up almost in one motion, pick up the phone, touch the screen, and swipe up. And, the, and at that moment, it will face ID you and then go to the home screen. So it's possible there could either be a setting or a, a motion that you can do where instead of picking up the phone, pressing the button or, or touching the button, and you're logged in instantly and in the home screen, you're picking it up, touching the screen at the bottom, and swiping up, and you're in the home screen. So it's just a swipe instead of a touch, which if it, if that works would be nice because it does feel like an extra step. You know, it feels, it's a bit like touching the, the button. It's now unlocked. And now you have to click the button again to go to the home screen.
1: Yeah. So, and too, I know they've addressed some of the security issues of, can I just, someone point this at my face and unlock my phone. Uh, they, they address saying that you had to make eye contact with it. And if you, don't look, make eye contact with your phone, I guess. Um, it won't unlock. So it'll be, like you said, once we get the device in our hands, I think a lot of this will make more sense and we'll be able to figure out how it really works. But I'm sure there'll be long lines in that Apple store for just not just buying it, but for trying it out once they have them in the store to kind of as demos.
0: Yeah, because that's the other thing. I've I've actually never... I've never tested that or tried that in I'm guessing Apple store demo phones must have a uh, a passcode on them that's already there to stop you doing anything with passcode stuff. I've never actually tried to enroll a fingerprint or or mess around in that sense with the demo phones in stores, but I would assume that there's some sort of you know, store level passcode that lets you do that. So,
1: oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about, I wonder if they're going to do something special so that you can try out the face ID on the phones. I mean, people are going to want to do that.
0: Well, exactly. And and I haven't tried it. I would guess right now you can't even test out Touch ID because to test Touch ID, you'd have to enter a passcode to register a fingerprint. Um, so maybe you have to get someone's help and they have to key it in and then you can register a fingerprint and they wipe it afterwards, you know, one of the assistants or whatever. Um, but I know that... Um, from what I read about the people that were at the event when they were in the demo room afterwards, they were doing—they were not doing face unlock with their own faces. You know, it was the staff that were there showing them the phones that would show them the face unlock working, the face ID working, because they had registered their faces. Um, and obviously, to get someone to register a face is probably going to take a couple of minutes or thirty seconds, and you, you don't want to be doing that for all the journalists. Yeah. The animoji stuff apparently does work with any face. So, oh, okay. So yeah, I mean, what they could do—this is Apple, after all—they can do whatever they want. They could be special versions of iOS installed on store phones or maybe a special hidden feature where it goes into a sort of demo mode, whereas if it, if it sees any, any anything that's recognizable as a face that is making eye contact with the phone, it can do an unlock so that it can be demoed, maybe. I mean, that was the rumor. Did you see that video of the Samsung phone that was being tricked by the printout?
1: Oh, no, I didn't see that one.
0: Yeah, so somebody was uh, basically printed off a picture of his face. Uh, and then showed it to the Samsung phone. It was a, it was in a, um, a stall at a show. And it unlocked, basically, when it saw the face. Now, one rumor is, or one theory is, well, actually, it was in demo mode. So if it saw any face, it would just unlock. Um, the other theory is, well, actually, that is how it works. It's just very bad. Because <laughs> um, I think Samsung another previously to Apple, people have said, you know, face IDs and face unlocks are not as reliable as anything else. And so if you really want security, use a passcode um, or use a fingerprint. Uh, but what what's interesting about the presentation was I th- I would have thought the statistic for a fingerprint would be way, way higher in terms of security than a face. Uh, and it's one in, what was it, one in 50,000. Yeah, that's what they said. Which I was, you know, I thought fingerprints, are, I thought that was it. I thought, you know, everyone has a unique fingerprint. Even twins have unique f- fingerprints. There's no way that you can have that sort of other person that could almost have a similar fingerprint. So. And yet it's, and we're not even going one to 50,000 to one to 100,000. We're going one to a million. So they're really yeah. confident. They are super confident in that sort of front camera technology that it can differentiate faces like that, which is, and the fact that they did all that testing with the masks. They had all these masks that they were doing testing with. Yeah, um, I
1: saw that. A little creepy, but amazing. cool.
0: <laughs> Very creepy. It sounds like they've done a lot of the, the hacking that everyone else is going to do cuz you know what's going to happen you know as soon as these yeah. phones get in people's hands they're going to they're going to print a photo of themselves they're going to um they're going to do one of those sort of warped photos where you can sort of you know uh, the sort of photos that wrap around objects so you do a warped photo sort of slightly wider of your face that you can then i don't know wrap around someone else's face or wrap around a mannequin or something so you still get that 3D effect when you turn there's going to be loads of that stuff there'll be people putting makeup on um you know like some of these makeup artists that look like other people there'll be people putting makeup on to look like someone else um and obviously they've already said that if you've got a twin or an evil twin they they joked but uh yeah it's not going to be as effective which is pretty interesting
1: Cool, exciting stuff
0: yeah it looks really cool i mean i'm I'm just frustrated you gotta wait you know but i guess (laughs) Having a new phone next week makes up for it because I can play about with that and do some good photos and stuff.
1: So ARKit has got a lot of stuff in the news. So um, I know that got a lot of lot of press when they were talking when I, they announced the iOS 11. And there's I know there's been some ARKit's out there already. I mean, not from Apple, but things that you could have augmented reality. Everything everything's been a little more hyped up in the last year or so, but I know. Have you seen any um, anybody that's released any apps when iOS was in eleven was in beta, kind of testing out some of that the AR kit?
0: I've I've only seen demos. Um, there's a good hashtag on Twitter called uh, I think it was AR, it was either AR Kit or AR Kit or Built with AR Kit, and it's got loads of cool demos there. I mean, I saw some the, the cool some of the coolest stuff I saw. Obviously, game stuff is is interesting, um, and some of the ones where you have that sort of you know looking at a table and seeing a cool little people running around is really funny and interesting and could be quite cool for kids I think but once I saw that were you know I guess with us getting older you start looking at more practical things so one of them was uh, we're doing some trying to do some work in the house because of the new baby and rearranging things and buying furniture and I saw some amazing demos of um and I think IKEA are demoing and about to release an AR kit based app where there was this demo of this chair that was just been put on the floor I think it was outside it was outside or in someone's house and it was one of these sort of plasticky chairs with sort of metal legs. Um, but the lighting and the resolution and everything, you would have sworn if you just grabbed that if you'd grabbed that video and just showed it to someone like a parent or just somebody random who's not necessarily understanding all AR kit stuff whatever, I guarantee you they would have just thought that was real. You know, why are you showing me a video of someone looking at a chair? It doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, see I'd be curious to curious to see because I know IKEA has had a catalog app for a couple of years. Where they could do that, yeah. But I want—I'd like to see side by side the the old IKEA catalog app with the new. I think they call it IKEA Place using Air yes. Kit because uh, yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Is—is is it out the IKEA Place? I looked for it the other day. I didn't see it. Um,
0: I've just—I saw a news item saying they're working on it. It's something that's going to be coming. I mean, I guessing the under—I guessing that the the concept is that because there was another app I downloaded that was like a floor floor layout app. Um, which has got some AR in it but it's not obviously using AR kit um, and it wasn't too bad i mean it lets you it lets you look through the camera and it will place it was a bunk bed basically we were we were testing whether this bed would look right um but it actually it did a pretty good job because um the problem we had in this room was they had a bay window and we had a very narrow wall uh, gap from the bay window to the wall and we were wondering whether this bed was going to block the light it was going to stick out in, into the window and so it actually worked really well by allowing us to visualise the room, uh, both in three D and using the AR. Um, but the AR, I'm guessing the AR kit, from what I've seen anyway, just has much better anchoring and much better positional stuff. So that you know that chair demo that I saw there was the the only, the very slightest movement. I, and the only way it was given away was the fact that there was references on the floor that you could see, like a grid or something. Um, I think it was outside, there was a patio or something. But basically there was stuff you could see compared to the leg. So you could just see this little movement where the leg was, but it was so slight. I mean, it was so tiny. And anyone looking at it wouldn't notice it. Um, but I think some of the previous AR attempts with apps have not had that same quality. Um, so there's obviously something that Apple are doing that, Is going to make this a lot easier Uh, but i'm you know really interested and excited to see the sort of stuff coming out the other really good demo i saw was a did you see the tape measure one
1: uh i believe so i look i've seen a few of them over the last month or two but um that was really see that one i believe
0: yeah so i've used this so i used a an app so i would imagine this being used brilliantly for things like uh, painting or decorating or just you know uh, floors and things like that so I think I used an app by Dulux I think there are I don't know if you have Dulux over there but they make paint over here they've got an app where you can look at a room and then you can tap a wall and it will color that wall that color cool. it, it's not bad but it's not great it's not bad but it's not great you know if there's stuff in front of the wall you get that sort of weird green screeny type effect that you get in films sometimes where the bleat you get bleeding and things um, but this guy was doing a demo with AR kit and he was in a kitchen It was in America, I think. And he's basically measuring his floor. And he's looking through the camera and he's just tapping on the corners of the wall, taps on the corner of the cabinet. And as he makes that tap, it draws a line and gives you a measurement. Um, Then he can just go around the room, just walks off because it knows where you are. So he walks off, does some more points, comes back. Those points are still where he left them. Um, And he measures the floor. That's very cool. And then from there, obviously, you could fill that. Yeah, you could fill that with color. You could fill it with a with a pattern and test out tiling. Um, that would be, that sounds really,
1: really cool. So I wonder how this is going to affect some of the augmented reality SDKs that are out there right now. Some of the competition now that oh. it's kind of built in. Well, did
0: you, um, <laughs> I think at the time, I think on the day of the announcement uh, when they demoed, because it was WWDC, wasn't it? Where they demoed ARKit. When they demoed it, uh, I think the day before or that week, there was an episode of that horrific program. Um, what's it called? The uh, the really terrible apps program that Apple have done. Oh uh, yeah, um, I, kind of, I, 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 I think I, I blanked of, it out. Planet of the Apps, I think it's called. Yeah, um, there was a terrible episode of that, which I just oh, it's horrific. And the poor guy on there was launching an s of uh, an AR SDK. Uh, that's what he was trying to get funding for. Um, and showing off these furniture type demos and things like that, and I just thought, oh my god, you know, Apple have basically just built that into the next operating system. Yeah. Um. So that was un- That was unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, it's gonna. I think obviously, if you're doing AR stuff, it sounds like the way to, to way to try and update your stuff is to go down the AR kit route, and you'll, you're you're going to have much more capability and and a bit uh, uh, an ability than you did before using your own method. Um. But yeah, it should be interesting to see what's what happens. I mean, I I think they've probably. They've Well, they've definitely done the right thing in releasing it so early enough that there's been plenty of time now for people to write apps. So I think we're going to see um, when iOS 11 is out, which I think is next week, I think we're going to see a lot of um, AR kit-based apps coming out, you know, that week that are probably already sitting there waiting to be approved, you know.
1: Yep. Have you, have you put the GAC or GMC version on your device yet? Like that you can get yeah. from
0: Developer so, Apple. Yes. So I've got um, I've got the GMs on my iOS devices. I've got the, the GM of the Watch app. I've even put the GM of uh, Mac OS High Sierra last night. I put that on. I was running the the beta. I wasn't running the early betas. Um, I tend to st- stay away from them. But once it sort of gets to five or six, then I I tend to put those on because I they're pretty close. And I think we got to nine before we got the GM. So uh, and it I mean they they've been much better in recent years anyway um but yeah i sort of avoided many of the early i think i might have put on the early ios 11 beta 3 i think i might have put on um but i I skipped the first two there and i only put it on one device Uh, i put it on one ipad and i put it on my phone only when it sort of got to five or six just to make sure everything was all right because i had a few apps crashing and i had to restart my phone every day
1: (laughs) yeah i i'm less likely to put it on one of my on the laptops on but on the phones, I'll usually I have a device. I'll, I'll test out some of the iOS faders.
0: Yeah, the, wor- the the thing to always bear in mind, which I learned um, when I was doing this process, is the watch. Um, Apparently, once you've stuck the beater on the watch, you cannot roll it back. Oh, There's just no way of installing back. Yeah, so if you put a beater on a watch and it's not working right and it's too slow and it's crashing and it's you know rubbish, you're stuffed unless you send that watch back to Apple. There's no way of doing it. Oh, I didn't um, know that. I, th- I, th- I think... I think there's a hacky way of doing it where someone worked out um, they, they've got some module or interface you can buy that can hook into that little uh, port under the strap. Um, there's that little sort of hidden port. And I think someone has created an interface or done a demo video of managing to plug something in there and then plugging it into iTunes and actually you know, flashing the watch. But you know, every day, people, even people like us who haven't got the inclination to build such an interface or get hold of one, you know, we're stuffed. So I think I put on an early watch beta and it was just horrible. It was slow and crashy and buggy. And I was I just thought, well, I'll, I'll have to live with it for another two weeks until the next beta comes out. And then they sort of fixed a few things. Um, <laughs> so, but that's the beta game if you play that game. So,
1: man. So now that you have the, the GM version on there, do you, do you have any of the 32-bit apps that just disappear now? I didn't have any. I
0: didn't have any warnings. I might've had a warning for one, I think. Um, but otherwise, I didn't get any warnings for any apps, so I think I might have already got rid of any 32 bit ones.
1: I had some that I still had around and I was getting the warnings for a while, but yeah, after after it came out, then when I put the beta on one of the phones, yeah, they just disappear or stop working. So. No, I haven't had any of that. Um, and I have played, I did
0: play with um, uh, the AR kit module that Hans wrote, Hans Knockel um, had wrote one, and. Uh, I actually found a little issue with it. Just There was a path issue um, yesterday, which he fixed really quickly just to do with where you put the scenes. Uh, but I did manage to get the app installed on the phone. Um, and it works, and it's nice. And it's basically a, a module that you plug into Titanium. Uh, it gives you AR kit and you can render a scene. But obviously, it's a very early module and needs some more work doing to it um, to add some more features, which he's wanting people to mess around with to get feedback for. I mentioned I had this issue and I'd I'd gone through everything and I I thought I've I've probably made some cock up here because the app was running, it was launching, there was no crash, there was no error um, but it just was showing a blank screen, it wasn't actually starting the AR engine to get the camera going but there there was no error even in the console. So I was sort of thinking it's got to be something really silly or maybe something I've done with the path or something. And it was literally that I'd put the stuff in the platform folder because that's what the comment said, you know, the root platform folder, app slash platform, when it actually had to be in um, the assets platform folder, the assets slash iPhone. Um, and once I'd moved it, it, it worked. The only issue I had, which is not really to do with him at all, it's just to do with the way AR, kit works, is that the when it starts up, it's like the titanium name. It's just a piece of 3D text um and the way it, it the way it appears it's at an angle where you can't really see it and when i move the phone the logo the actual object moves with me and it's because there's some extra settings you have to do around anchors and things like that and uh matrices to do with how you're viewing it and that's more ar kit stuff rather than titanium stuff so that's trying to read up on the documentation and understand you know exactly how you set the scene up and exactly how you implement anchors um, and that's much more about delving into the AR kit documentation um, and then working out whether that can be possible with the module or adding to the module or whatever. But that's the sort of input he's after. So I'll put a link to the show notes um, for that module. And it will be good if people, you know, play around with it. It's really easy to set up using the sample code he's got and the demo scene he's got. You can put other scenes in there as well. Uh, but it'll be a good opportunity for us to play around. And hopefully, we can end up with a good AR kit module um, that we can use in Titanium.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. That is very cool.
0: So uh, iOS 11 GM is scheduled for is out now. Uh, the GA is scheduled for 19th of September, which I think is Tuesday. Yes, I think it's Tuesday, um, which means everyone's going to have iOS 11 downloadable then. 32 apps will be gone. Um, just trying to look at my notes of what I've got here. Um, there was – it's not really related to – well, it is sort of related to iOS uh, 11, actually. I saw one thing pop up in Slack um, to do with white label apps. I don't know if you saw this. So there was somebody in the Slack, I won't mention who, um, but basically they had an issue where an app had been rejected um, and they were being pointed to a policy in the App Store policy guidelines talking about white label apps. Um, And they weren't sure whether this was, uh, it seems to be a new thing that's cropped up, but I think it's a bit ambiguous in terms of the way it's worded and what it actually means. So they have a series of apps that are co- like cookie cutter apps. I think, And I think that's probably the wrong word to use because I think it's used. it can be used in a negative way. Um, but I think what Apple are trying to do is stop the cookie cutter apps. Uh, but there are some of us out there, and I've developed a few like this, and there are some of us out there doing this now, where these apps are same code base, Um, same basic features of the app but they can look differently for different clients or different projects or whatever the arrangement is of how these apps get created so you know a typical example might be if you had a hairdresser app um, or a barber's app uh, for a hair salon and that app allows you to have bookings and it allows you to see prices and it allows you to see opening times um, and, and get news and push notifications and things like that that app has all these core modules of functionality and a a single code base for ios and android but you might use theming with alloy to theme that for different clients Uh, you might end up theming the ti app xml to create different um, ids and different apps and then publishing that to the app store as different physical apps in in one way i can imagine how if you didn't do some nice theming and you just had the same color and the same font but you just changed the title of the app but everything else was the same, except the endpoint it's going to is giving you some different data. Then I could imagine that being rejected because these apps just look exactly—you've literally just filled the app store with maybe a hundred apps that look exactly the same, except the data is different. So I could sort of understand that, you know, to a degree. But if the apps are using theming and they've got different fonts, they've got different colors. Maybe one app has a one module that other apps don't because that's just the way they've been sold to those those clients or whatever. Then I could. I could see that as not a bad thing because, yes, it's sharing the same code base. Yes, it's using some of the same features, but I don't think that's such a big deal. Um, And unfortunately, I think a lot of this comes down to, you know, I don't know the exact details of this particular rejection other than they were pointed to this article. But I think a lot of it comes down to who these people are that do the reviews because you sometimes get someone who follows every letter of what Apple have written and you sometimes get people that just let things through.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I know some of the big... There's some big companies out there that do event apps, not necessarily built on Titanium like um, Double Dutch and Tendify and some of those that are having to totally change their business model based on two lines in um, Apple guidelines that got added. But a lot of them are going now to one app that they give all their clients and then you have to put in a code for your event as opposed to they used to white label apps for each event which I think was convenient. I mean, if I wanted to download an app for an event, if I'm going to look, I'm like, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, who is the company that built the app for this event? Um, If I'm opening up trying to look up an app on my phone. But I understand somewhat why they did that to try and clean up some of the junk. But unfortunately, it seems, I mean, other people get caught up in this. And I think Apple does use some algorithms to analyze the code to kind of Spot the apps that are using the same code base. But the nice thing with Titanium and Alloy using themes is the themes are applied at compile time, if I remember right. Yeah. And so it's going to modify your code before it's built. So if you're theming, if you put enough themes, uh, things in your changes in your themes and it compiles, it's really compiling down to a different app than one that has a different theme. So that I think is helpful as opposed to ones that have the exact same code. And then at runtime, they're just like pulling down a JSON file or an API that will change the look of the file, uh, The sorry, change the look of the app and do some other things. So that is nice using themes uh, I think will help if you're doing that, but yeah. it may just come down to, if you're labeling yourself as a white, uh, I'm sorry, yet yeah, a white label company, app company, then you might get some more scrutiny.
0: Yeah, it's a tricky one, but I th- I think they were panicking a bit because they were thinking, well, this is our entire business. It's now being screwed. Um, but, I mean, one of the things I've always done with – I've had – let me think. I've had three apps rejected, I think. Uh, one was rejected because uh, – well, actually, I probably had more than that, but but um, probably five maybe. Uh, but typic- the typical rejection has been when we put something in that t- well, just wasn't necessary but it was there at the time, you know, like background location or something like that.
1: Or mentioning Android.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you've got like a template app um, code that, you know, when you create a new app, it creates a template app, and you might have automatically put in background background location or something like that. And then when you're developing the app, you don't actually need background location, then they, they can scan that, detect that, and say, you know, you seem to have background location, but you don't, you know, you're not using it in your app, so we can't accept it. So that's an easy fix. You remove it, and it's done. Um, the other ones I had, I had two rejected. I had one rejected because... I was actually doing it as a freebie for a local um a local organization uh it was a very it was this was years ago now this was like four four years ago four or five years ago and it was one of those really simple apps where it's like a list of news and a list of youtube videos a list of tweets and things like that and it was very 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 simple there was no push and nothing else and that got rejected because it was too simple they felt you know apple said you could just do this as a web app which is always frustrating because you see other apps that you <laughs> know, like the fart app or the or the torch app you know you, you've accepted an app that makes the screen white, and and that's and you've actually accepted that app, but you're rejecting my app because you know you, you think it looks a bit web based or whatever. Um, so anyway, so that was that one, uh, and the other one was a, an app that was used affiliate links uh, to go off to different websites, and they just didn't like the. But it, this is the key thing. This is the point I was getting to is that it's useful sometimes to resubmit the same binary again. Now, I know sometimes you can't submit the same binary without changing the version number. Um, I think that changed more recently. So it, so what you'd have to do is do like a 1.0, you know 1.0.0.1 1 and and 0. 0.2 or whatever, so that it looks the same. Um, but effectively, by submitting the same binary again, you're more than likely to get a completely different person who's reviewing it. Um, and you'll get either more detail, or hopefully it will be approved, but at least you'll get more information. So when I had this app rejected, I just got some really weird um, link and comment that made no sense. So the first thing I did was just resubmit it. And this was the time when you could just resubmit the same thing, the same build again. So I resubmitted the same build and I got it rejected again. But this time there was a little bit more information and it actually took three or four attempts until (laughs) finally the person at the end said, you need to open these links outside of the web view. And that was not clear in any of the other comments that come back because they just dump links and show you links or whatever um, or show you some clause or something that doesn't really make any sense. And that's all it was. As soon as I made it so the link opened in Safari, it got accepted same day. It was that simple. Um, so so sometimes it's worth resubmitting just to see if you get more information back or if it will pass through. Um, but it is tricky. I mean, this is the problem with all everything that we do. I mean, I try and warn clients especially. I mean, I I will if i get a, a you know an app that comes in and they say they want this and this i actually just pre-war them and say look you know this this is possible to build but apple may consider this to be way too simple there was a guy yesterday uh, who contacted me about an app to do scheduling and he wanted to he wanted to share a calendar between several of the team so it wasn't even a public app it was just for the company and i'm thinking well why aren't you just using like you know g suite sharing or exchange calendar. share calendars yeah yeah why aren't you just all sharing your calendars or have one calendar that you all have access to and that you can all edit that would be much easier and cheaper than building an app to do it and i said frankly apple probably reject it because you're building it just for you so then you'd probably have to get an enterprise account to get around that and it's just you're spending a, a lot of money to build something you could probably just do for free so i just advised them to do that and walked away from it but it is you know it's tricky have you ever had anything rejected
1: um, I have in the past. I, I know one time in the release notes I mentioned Android and that's a big no-no. Um, sometimes like if you have a, a login for a demo account and it's not working, uh, the, as soon as they go to try it, or like, hey, it's not working. Sometimes they don't even try out the accounts that require a login. But but yeah, usually they have a pretty good resolution center where you can resubmit and ask questions and sometimes get them, get them answered. But a lot of them get in the store eventually sometimes yeah after you work work out some stuff with them
0: yeah yeah, typically I mean some of them can take can take a while, but usually you can you can fire back questions and, and get a bit more information. They have got a bit better recently, and I think it's it has got better now because I mean I'm talking when, when this app got rejected, it was like ten days to get a review and then you know submit an update and it's another seven days at least now the review time a lot faster.
1: Oh, that is so much nicer.
0: Yeah, I mean, waiting sort of 15 days, 15 elapsed days to get some something come back and say it's rejected because you have a flag in the, you know, in the in the P list wrong, or you've mentioned Android, you know, because surely, you know, think especially things like Android, you think they could scan that immediately and say, you know, you've mentioned Android.
1: Yeah, it's always hard if, if you have an app that's continuously built too, like you've already added new features, you're getting closer to releasing. So like, do we just really wait? Or, but yeah, now that it's just yeah. a day or two, it's, it's a lot nicer. Yeah, exactly. Um, one thing before we talk about Titanium and
0: iOS 11, um, well, it's sort of relevant, but I've skipped over it, but I'll mention it um, to do with face recognition is this Zoom SDK. So I was talking to um, a potential client who wanted to do something around face recognition, um, but it was something around multiple faces. It's something that, you know, you couldn't cover if you used one of the new phones it would be something that could run on an ipad it could run on um a phone and it would. you it was it was i can't be too specific but it was going to be able to recognize faces and i was looking around to see if there was something you know first first portal call whenever i get an inquiry like this is like Make sure I can actually do it. So go off and look for something that can do this, and make sure it's got a titanium module, or one could be built. And it turns out there is one. So there's a company called Zoom, and there's a Zoom SDK by a company called Face Tech, which I'll put a link in. And they've got a, they've got a module for titanium, which is awesome. Um, Have you tried it out? I tried it, and it didn't work uh, because there was apparently a change in the SDK and the titanium SDK that, that messed up something that they were doing. I was getting a Swift error because they were using some Swift code in there. Um, I reported it to them. Uh, Got in contact with one of their. I think it was their CTO. He contacted me back, uh, and their developer was away, but he came back and looked at it. And I think within a few days, they've they've done a fix. I haven't had a chance to test it yet, but apparently they've 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 checked it and tested it with the latest SDK. Not sure about six point two, but definitely six point one. Uh, but I'm, I'm assuming it'll work with six point two, but that will need testing. But it basically does face recognition, so you can do online and offline face recognition against a pre registered database of faces. Um, so yeah, pretty sounds pretty cool, and you know, could allow to- all without
1: an iPhone X.
0: Exactly, exactly. Obviously, it won't log you into the phone, but it will be quite useful for logging into apps or doing face type recognition. Um, I'm trying to think of some cool stuff I could do with the kids. Uh, you know, to do uh, uh, face recognition for an app that I built for them for, for learning how to read, which would be quite cool. Um, but I just thought I'd mention that.
1: And I think um, if I remember right too, it's free for small companies yes. as well. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's nice. Looks really cool. So, um, you mentioned um, uh, Swift, and I forgot, I, I believe with the 6.2.0 release that um, it now supports Hans, but support for Swift and uh, for native modules. I think it's Swift. I think it's
0: I think it's Swift Frameworks. I don't think you yeah, can. Yeah,
1: Swift Frameworks in there. Yeah, so
0: you, I don't think you can write a module in Swift. Uh, I don't think you can write a native module in Swift, but you can include frameworks. I think you can write like an Objective-C. I mean, I probably need to get this co- uh, corroborated, but I think you can write... I think na- you're correct. Yeah, I think you can write an Objective-C module that then uses a Swift framework.
1: So you're sort of using yes. the, the Objective-C and as, a, as a wrapper. So and he had Swift. hooks and stuff that... Yeah, and he had some hooks before that allowed you to do it, but now it's built into the SDK. So that's nice. If you, have, if you do have a, a Swift framework that you need to use in your module, or if you're building a module for something, then that's nice to have it built in the SDK now. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So
0: do you want to talk about uh, titanium with iOS 11 and some of the other subjects we've got going on there?
1: Yeah, so um, I know it's been out in beta a while. Um, so it, have you run into any issues or um, or taking advantage of some of the iOS 11 features, trying them out with titanium? Uh,
0: not yet. The only thing I did, I was, I mean, again, this is part of my sort of trying not to mess my whole system up is I I was reluctant to do anything with Xcode 9 until I knew that I wasn't going to mess things up. So I did a bit of a clean out because I still had Xcode 7 from previous um, environments that I was working with. So I got rid of that and I had my normal Xcode, which was Xcode 8.3 or 3.2 or whatever the latest version was. Um, so what I played around with, there was two things that happened with this. One, which is not necessary iOS 11, but it's worth mentioning because it will mess people up, is I did upgrade to iTunes 12.7. And if you do that, you can no longer build to iTunes. Um, iTunes 12.7 has dropped the App Store. So there's no App Store. There's no app syncing. There's no app listing. Even if you plug a phone in that has apps, you don't see an apps listing in there. You know, it's gone. There's no apps referenced. So that means that the iTunes sync for apps does no longer works. Um, it won't error uh, if you build an app. Um, so the way I typically build apps at the moment is I don't do ad hoc builds. I can't remember the real reason why I never did ad hoc builds, but I usually just do dev builds. Um, so I do a dev build, um, and then that's how I you know, I'll send that out to clients or whatever. Um, so what I'd normally do is I'd, I'd have a, a, I use tiny as a little CLI uh, command. I do tiny uh, TN device or TN iTunes, and I usually have a little script or something. And it will just output, use all the provisioning and everything, and output the file straight into the mobile folder, mobile apps folder of iTunes. And then from there, I upload the IPA or send it or whatever. Um, Obviously, if I'm testing on a device, I plug the device in and sync straight to it. Um, With this, all that happens is it says initiating iTunes sync, and then nothing happens. It finishes without any error, but no app is built, uh, and no app is put into iTunes because I'm guessing the sync functionality is no longer there to be able to do it um so i have i will now have to and the workaround is to now use ad hoc builds uh, because i don't think there's going to be a solution around this um, unless i wonder where they changed that uh well i'm guessing i'm guessing they're just trying to get away from that whole that whole tethering thing that whole concept of itunes being a tethered thing to your phone you know it's it's trying to it feels like it's something that they're prepping us for down the line. You know, it feels like what's going to, I know there's stuff that's been leaked around this before, uh, images that have been found, but it feels like iTunes may eventually become separate apps. Um, you know, we might have a, on, on, on Mac OS, we might have a videos app, we might have a music app, and um, we might have a podcast app. Um, so there'd no longer be iTunes managing all that. Um, and since the App Store, <clears throat> Since the App Store allows you to download apps directly to devices, and you've got iCloud backup, you know for free, but also the you know you can upgrade those plans, um, it just feels like there's less and less of a need to plug your phone into a computer to sync apps. So maybe it's just simplifying that whole process, uh, and maybe, and maybe it's a prelude to you know sync uh, not having uh, tethering or any kind of syncing happening between iTunes and your device for other stuff. So, you know, if you want podcasts or you want movies or whatever on your devices, you just download them.
1: Well, it's good to know that, that that's gone. So if you're going to, if you use that feature, make sure you have, you know, the alternatives. Yeah. Ad
0: hoc builds are going to be the way forward for, for doing that. Um, you can do some stuff around the app file that gets generated. You can sort of find the app file and do some things, but you know, it's not as simple as taking an IPA file and just uploading it to, uh, to uh, you know, a distribution system or whatever, or sending it to a client. So I'm just gonna switch to ad hoc builds and, and hopefully that's fine. Other than that, uh, High Sierra has been fine. I haven't had any issues with doing builds with High Sierra. Um, that is literally the only thing that's sort of broken my build routine. Um, and with upgrading to Xcode 9, the way I did that was I used to, the technique that we used to use for doing, uh, supporting older builds like Xcode 7. So I, I did a tweet about this. It's actually really simple. Um, I was thinking of doing a blog post around it, but again, it would be a really short post. But basically, all I did is I downloaded Xcode 9 from the developer portal. Um, This was the GM I think I downloaded. I I might have had the last beta as well, but I I did this yesterday with the GM. Um, Download Xcode 9. It obviously downloads or it downloads some sort of packaged file that you have to run, and then it uncompresses everything, and you end up with an Xcode app in your downloads folder. I then renamed that to Xcode 9 and then copied that to the Applications folder. So I've now got Xcode in the Applications folder, and I've got Xcode 9 in the Applications folder. Um, now, the key thing here is to make sure, which I probably didn't put in the tweet, uh, is to double-click the Xcode 9 and just launch it. Because obviously, when you launch Xcode for the first time, it comes up with all sorts of things about installing any components or agreeing to terms and conditions or all that sort of stuff. So I just launched it so that it launched, it was open, and I could now you know, launch a simulator or whatever. And I remember uh, launching the uh, X simulator and the... And they've got really nice simulator um, surrounds now, so the bordering. So if you've, I don't know if you've seen it, but if you do an iPad. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, you get a lovely, uh, you know, the window chrome is now, looks like the device. And you even get a home button. You can actually click. And you can actually click the buttons on the side. So you can click the volume button. Uh, you can click the mute button and it will toggle the thing. And it's really nice. It just feels much more like you're using a device.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that the, it was functional. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They, they all work. It's really cool. So I tested all that, got that all working. Um, The next thing to do is uh, I went back to the CLI uh, because I use the CLI, but I'll explain studio in a sec. And in the CLI, I went to do a build. And in the build, I specified my iOS version I want to build for. So 11 uh, dash 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 iOS dash version uh, 11. Um, And I specify if I want to bring up the device list, I usually just do like dash dash device dash ID like one or two or whatever. X, (laughs) And it then doesn't know what you mean, so it comes up with the list. And when it comes up with the list, it gives you all of the options for both the new sims in Xcode 9 and my existing installation. So I'm getting all my old simulators and all my new simulators, and it will build with the appropriate version depending on what you pick. Um, So it was as simple as that, really. I didn't have to do anything. The only thing I had to do with Studio when I tested it with Studio is that the first time I loaded Studio and went into the device list, none of the new sims were listed. So you go into preferences, you go to the platform section, and in the platform section for iOS, there is a path to Xcode. You don't need to change it. You just leave it pointing to your old Xcode, but you just hit the refresh button next to it. And for some reason, that sort of rejigs things around and everything suddenly worked. And when I clicked the device list, uh, I'd had all my simulators for the iPhone X, the iPhone 8, plus all the old simulators as well um, with all the old iOS, iOS versions. So it all just worked. Perfectly, basically. Um, so I can have Xcode nine, Xcode eight running side by side. My environment's fine. I can still build old stuff. And I built an app with six point one point two GA to the iPhone X simulator, and it worked. Um, it's a really simple camera-based app um, that shows photos and things. And it came up and it's scaled. And you know, I don't use any fixed width stuff. It's all TI fill and TI size or whatever. So it just it just worked. Worked really nicely. Looks really good.
1: It's kind of cool to get a glimpse of it before the phone comes out.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, and you can practice. Um, it's uh, it's obviously difficult practicing with a mouse on a screen, uh, but just trying to practice that home animation, it's quite interesting. Um, but I think it'll be easier to use when it's your finger on a screen. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, all, that's all the process was, and I've, I can now start playing around. I think Hans has done a, a PR to do with, um, that you can patch your releases with to do with supporting the splash screens, so you can have the custom splash screens. Uh, but otherwise, it's it should be really straightforward to do stuff with the the new SDK and uh, the new X or the new iPhone X.
1: Yeah, and if you um, I know you mentioned Tiny, if you have that, then yeah, make sure you run generate again to refresh your list of um, simulators that are available to build to. If you're using that CLI tool, I use that all the time as well. So. Um, yeah, I know you. You mentioned um, that you built to the iPhone X. Did you uh, uh, Did you see any issues with the the screen layout? I know if uh, you storyboards and stuff uh, to get. A, I mean, seeing what your screen looks like around the notch and everything, um, or adjusting the layout. But from what I've heard, it's all pretty straightforward. Yeah, the app I the app I was. I, I've
0: only tested it with one app. I'll probably test it with a couple of others. Um, especially one that I know I've worked with, which is a full screen height one. You know, it gets rid of the title bar. Um, So it gets rid of that sort of bounds. So I'll be interested to see what that one looks like. Uh, But the app I tested used all the standard Kit stuff. So it was a a navigation window, uh, had a title using back buttons and all that sort of stuff. There was no tab group um well there might be the next version but at the moment there isn't and it's just using all the standard navigation all the standard ui kit stuff and if you use all the standard ui kit stuff and you're doing everything with the native controls like tab group etc they will all adjust so a tab group will automatically sit higher on the screen to make space for the home button you know that little slit home button at the bottom uh, i think it's only if you're doing custom stuff where you're trying to go full screen you know maybe you're doing full screen and you're doing all your titles with uh, views and you're doing your own tab group with views and things like that that's where you're going to hit a, an issue um you just got to adjust your your sizing because you know that's going to be a problem because your tab group could potentially be under that virtual home slot that virtual home button at the bottom um, and also if you're going full height at the top you might get an issue where you know some of your content is behind the notch effectively
1: but i don't think it's i don't think for most cases it's going to be a big deal for a lot of developers to adjust I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of stuff coming out as developers develop stuff for it.
0: Yeah, apparently there's a safe zone, which I'm not sure if we have access to yet. There's a sort of safe uh, boundary that you can size your stuff to, uh, and maybe that maybe it's been updated or maybe it will be updated in a in a point release. So that some you know maybe we have ti fill ti size. Maybe there's another one uh, you know that allows you to 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 fill a width or fill a height up to that safe point. And that safe point is that boundary of the top notch and the boundary of the bottom home slot, the bottom home button or whatever we're going to call it, um, so that your app will never go beyond those two points. Uh, the interesting thing is, which we didn't put in the in the notes to talk about this, but the interesting one is the stuff that I've seen about how to use the slot. Because have you seen the comments or the the, the points to um, the Apple? Uh, usage guides which talk about the fact that you know you're not allowed to hide the notch Um, so you know if you try and if you try and have an app that then puts a black bar at the top to make the notch seamlessly disappear so you have a a, what looks like a black status bar at the top um, that's apparently against the the human interface guidelines oh i hadn't seen that which is interesting (laughs) because i haven't checked back on the presentation but i was told by somebody else that uh one of the demo apps that was shown at the presentation i think was apple music or something running on the iphone 10 and it had a black bar at the top <laughs> so it was <laughs> his his argument was well it's apple doing what they always do which is telling us we can't do something but they do it themselves um but yeah it's apparently it, i it, from what it sounds like they're saying it's embrace the notch time <laughs> um i don't even think they call it i don't know if they call it the notch there was something else that they called it i can't remember um I can't remember what the hell they called it. It was it was some other term, but it's typical Apple. They came up with a nice name for it. Um, but yeah, it's all about embracing the notch. So, uh, you know, it should be interesting to see how people play around with it. You know, for things like games and custom interfaces, I, I guess it's going to be easier. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, what I'm wondering is, because you can, I haven't tried this yet. I probably should, because you can with the current um, iOS, you can do full screen, can't you? So the, there's no status bar. So I'm wondering what would happen if you did that With the iPhone 10, can you go, can you do full screen? Can you effectively get rid of the status bar? So even the two little status areas of the notch would disappear. And could you then put content in the notch? Hmm. That would be interesting.
1: Sounds like a test app coming.
0: Yeah, because if you went full screen, if you therefore get rid of the status bar, and if your top of your app now jumps to the very top of the screen, that means your title bar is effectively in the notch. Um, your title wouldn't be visible because it would be behind the notch, but part of your left and right navigation would be. And if you then had a custom view inside the left navigation, and the right, uh, what is it, left nav button and right nav button, because if you put a, one of the tricks there, I don't know if you you would have come across is, you know, if you put a button inside the left nav, left nav button and right nav button, if you put a, a button inside, you can't do a lot of flexible styling of that button. It just behaves like a standard button. You change the color of it, but the font size or the font type or whatever gets complicated. If you put a view inside the left nav button or right nav button uh, component, and inside that view you put a button, you can do all kinds of things with it. You can put buttons side by side. You can do buttons on top of each other. You can put different font sizes, you know, all kinds of little things. You can position those buttons differently than you can if you just do it as a button. You know, a button will appear vertically in the middle at a certain distance from the edge and that's the way it works but if you put it in a view you could do all kinds of things with it so it'd be interesting to see so where, you could put
1: a bunch of little tiny buttons in there that's what i'm
0: thinking i would I'm, maybe appear in the status bar that's what i'm thinking i'm wondering whether you could have you know imagine a imagine a structure it probably wouldn't be very ux convenient but imagine a structure where you've got like a, a view that can have panels scrolling panels like a scrollable view and you could have your buttons to change views in those notches so as you tap you're sort of cycling off to the right or cycling off to the left but i think yeah definitely worth playing with i think to see if that's possible
1: and then also seeing if apple approve it when you go to submit exactly <laughs> but yeah it could be it could be interesting well we covered a lot today
0: i think we have i think that's pretty i think that's pretty much covered everything we wanted to talk about and i think next step is playing around with some of this stuff playing around with Xcode 9 and maybe in the next episode we come back with some feedback about what we've learned and uh, what we found out or clarified, uh, which will be interesting. And hopefully, well, by then, iOS 11 will be out. There'll be some Kit stuff to talk about um, and see how people have been getting on with converting apps. We'll keep an eye on, I'll keep an eye on TI Slack and uh, see what people have been mentioning and maybe we can talk about that in the next episode. Sounds good. Cool. Thanks for your time, Brenton. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, you too.